0: Hey, Sales Enablement Podcast listeners. Today, we'd like to introduce you to another show by Revenue.io. It's the all new and reimagined RevOps Podcast, where we are interviewing and working with some of the world's thought leaders around sales engagement, sales enablement, and all things go to market. Join me. I'm Alistair Wilcock, Chief Strategy Officer at Revenue IO, along with our prestigious founder and CEO, Howard Brown, as we interview, talk, and ideate about not just how to help sellers sell, but how to help buyers buy. And here's a special episode for you. If you like what you hear, join us and subscribe to the RevOps Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to part two around who moved my cheese. Now I'm, I'm being a little bit flippant, but we have a special guest with us here today. Uh, Natalie Furness from RevOps Automated, CEO and founder, joining us from England, along with Howard Brown, CEO, founder of Revenue IO and the creator of All Things Revenue Science, a think tank around behavior and sales engagement uh, for the better part of the last decade. Natalie, Howard, how are you both doing today? Fabulous. So great to be here.
1: Yep. Loving it. Glad to be back.
0: Absolutely. Well, we left off last episode talking about really the coordination and all of the change that needs to happen to really put in a RevOps architecture and team model. And I referenced the famous book, Who Moved My Cheese? Which, you know, if I simplify it down, is basically says people have no problem conceptualizing and you know, ideating around innovation or change in an organization. However, when it happens to them, they're like, well, hold on. Let me hit the pause button here. Right. And we see this in a lot in RevOps, right? The concept makes sense. Of course we want alignment around revenue. But when it actually comes to functionally changing an organization, who moved my cheese really kicks in.
1: This always reminds me of um, a really funny YouTube video that I watched. If you haven't watched it, Leadership Lessons from a Dancing Man, Google it now, is great fun to watch. And it's all about how to create a movement. And now I'm assuming, based on people listening to this, if you are listening, I'm assuming that you have some interest or you're at least inquisitive about RevOps and maybe how to implement that in your organization. I'm meeting more and more people like this who are really passionate about starting a movement in their business. But the issue is buy-in. How do you get buy-in from other stakeholders because they think you're moving their cheats now what we've learned from the the dancing man is that first of all you have to not be afraid to stand there and dance and look silly all by yourself dancing around talking about (laughs) robots the next thing is you have to be easy to follow um, and you have to make the impact of RevOps clear and, and we produced a white paper actually at the beginning of the year called the annual RevOps report that talks through the impact of, of revenue operations, which is, you know, increasing stock value on the stock market, acceleration of sales, amongst many other things. Now, if you were, for example, to present these to stakeholders and get them to understand the impact, you might find your first or second follower. Now then you can start working as a team to actually look at how to get a movement going how to get the organization believing in this revenue operations that you're wanting to implement and before you know it you'll have the mid adopters the late adopters and then it's just a case of converting the laggards and we know that laggards don't like to be left out when they see that everybody is on the RevOps movement. They want to join the RevOps movement and effectively join the RevOps dance. And, and this is kind of how I start talking to leaders about you know, implementing revenue operations is you're not gonna get everybody on board to start with. It's impossible. Look at ways in which you can be a leader that's easy to follow, get your first and second followers, start making that organizational change in a positive way. And before you know it, people will be on board.
2: I had no idea. I was literally born to be a RevOps leader. My wife will attest whenever I dance, I look silly. So, so I was born for the role uh, No, in, in, in all seriousness. I, I like how you encapsulate that. A, a RevOps leader is really somebody who in many ways is like a founder, right? An entrepreneur, they have to take big risks. They have to step up and, and move for change. This is change management and it's certainly not easy it's very very difficult um the the whole concept to me of a leader stepping up into that role comes with the responsibility to align teams and effort and how do we do that people are only willing to follow if they really truly understand and believe in the why and i think it's paramount that like a leader or a founder, an entrepreneur, we explain and we get buy-in to the why. We are doing this to provide a better experience for our customers. We are all buyers. We all know what it's like when we talk to a company that is disjointed, that doesn't have centralized data, that doesn't think about customers first. If we focus on that, if we can get team buy-in, that we are moving a mission to create a better organization that will run more effectively, that will share data, share insights to provide both a better customer experience and, quite frankly, a better employee experience, that's the kind of buy-in, that's the kind of leadership that I know each one of our listeners is possible has the possibility to do. So please step up into the role that you've accepted as a RevOps leader and start to move mountains because that's what's required. Change management's difficult. Nobody wants their the, the whole cheese thing. Like you got to get buy-in and you, each of you can do it.
1: And what you were saying, I call that the ultimate triangle. Revenue, employee experience, customer experience, Yes, if you can change those three things for the greater good. And it is possible to do them all at the same time. In fact, if you do them at all at the same time, you will accelerate the implementation of whatever change that you're doing. People don't believe it's possible, but I promise you it is.
2: I love the triangle and yes, why else do it? Why else be in business if that's not your goal? the The, the goal should be great customer experience, great employee experience, generating better revenue. Like th- these are the important things. And I'm glad you solidified that in a triangle that's super easy for everybody to understand.
0: I, I love the triangle as well. And I wanna double click on this. And again, let's maybe role play this through Natalie and Howard a little bit, right? We've all met with hundreds and thousands of people around the world at this point in this space of RevOps. I'm gonna give you a story. I remember about a year and a bit ago, I met with a, uh, I would just say a manufacturer. I can't get into specifically what they're manufacturing, but let's just say it was in the technology space. And they are the number two in the world for what they do. And um, one of the things, the products they manufacture and sell is a very long, big uh, sales process, right? Like the renewals every five years, these are multi-million-dollar type deals they put together. And they were very interested in RevOps, very excited about it because they'd also bought a bunch of adjacent software companies. They bought a bunch of other stuff. And and they really sitting there going, this this would be really interesting to light up the rest of the portfolio. And we we were trucking along there. Everybody's embracing the approach. They can bring in all of the different department heads. But ultimately, once it came to actually putting it in action, when they looked at the overall implications I and mean, the user triangle here, uh, Natalie, of revenue, of you think in terms of the employee experience and the customer experience, they go, well, I like the employee experience because, well, I'd like them to sell more. That that was kind of their simple view of it. Customer experience, like, well, we'd like the customer to buy a little bit more, but we want to be really careful here that we don't disrupt the thing we've always done because we don't want to put any of that top point of the triangle, revenue at risk. So now you have a massive company, right? Number two in industry worldwide. And they're going, well, I know I need to change, but... Is it really worth the risk of change? So what's the cost of inaction here? What's the cost of not actually doing what we are talking about?
1: So they say, the only thing that stops a company from being great is because they're satisfied with good. Mm. If you're satisfied with being good, average, safe, you're never going to be great. Um, And risk is hard. and there is such thing as calculated risk, and there's also the risk of inaction. As you said, you know, if you don't innovate, you die. I mean, let's yeah. look at where Nokia is right now, you know, and other companies that that sort of didn't take that leap to innovate. Yeah, they're not necessarily great. Um, uh, Ineffect ineffective processes. I'm I'm seeing it all the time where. Humans are required to do so many actions that they're just, is unnecessary, you know, like there's small, it'll be small things like, you know, a CSV download of all the data from the back end of your product, uploading it into your CRM system daily. You know, I'm working with a client at the minute who has 20 people doing this every day in different departments because no one actually took a look at the fact that 20 people are spending five minutes every single day doing that, which a piece of technology and someone looking at that, Data operations could fix an, well, you know, it would take them a short while to fix it, but by fixing it, they would have better data in their platform, which means they could send more contextual marketing and sales, which also means they would save their employees time. And also they could do the same thing that they were doing yesterday, but just better and faster and cheaper. So why not do that?
2: Yeah. I would just add that, uh, business is littered with companies that did not change and all of us know them when's the last time you've been to a blockbuster store who who wanted to go to a blockbuster store and when i can rent the thing online what why why wouldn't i and they failed to innovate or when's the last time you've been to yahoo to do your shopping it's been a while right amazon we all go to amazon or amazon's all around us changed experience or the yellow cab in most places, people are using Ubers and Lyfts. It, 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 there is no shortage of examples. You either will innovate, you will change, you will meet the ma- demands of our customers, which are always, always getting bigger and bigger. You will either meet the moment and you will change what you are doing to deliver better experience for your customers or your and your employees, or you will simply be left behind. You will be the dinosaur that was, and none of us want to be the dinosaur that was. So yes, change is hard. Yes, change is different, but inaction is deadly.
1: And right now you have the opportunity to ride the wave when it's at the right time, right now. If you're listening to this in August 2022, at least. And right now is the time to get involved with this we have seen over the last decade a 450 percent increase in the number of cro roles that are being advertised on linkedin you know that's a massive growth we're seeing this massive spike in things and and some of the larger companies are really starting to implement this and you don't want to be outcompeted
0: And I want to, I want to pick up, I, uh, Natalie, I think you're so spot on, on don't be out competed. Howard, I got to piggyback off your blockbuster story. So many, many years ago when I was in management consulting for a bit, uh, the company I was at before I was there, they did a bunch of work with the famed blockbuster. And for those internationally, it's a video rental store, right? You used to go there every Friday night, pick up your VHS tape, you know, go figure out what the latest releases are and be excited to see what's going on and if you weren't there soon enough there were only so many copies and that was it you didn't get the video right that was blockbuster it was it was distribution of movies now why am i why am i double clicking on that because the managing consulting firm was actually built and showed blockbuster a digital delivery program for content it built for blockbuster say you should be going down this path you need to be thinking about how you're going to digitally drive content. Now, Blockbuster actually even agreed. They thought to themselves, they're like, you know what? You're right. We can see where the market's going. We need to do that. But you know what? We have a problem. Our sales are actually declining. We are now sitting there where we have extended lease and assets and physical buildings across North America. We have a huge dependency on the additional revenue streams of people buying candy at the checkout lines and, you know, exorbitantly priced popcorn. We aren't sure we can actually take the risk to move the fundamental revenue stream we have to digital. We need to slow play this. And that slow play is why we all joke and reminisce on Blockbuster today. And Netflix is now one of the highest sought after, highest multiple companies on the face of the planet. They came in and disrupted it. And Clayton Christensen from Harvard Business School has one of the most eloquent ways of looking at markets and he calls it disruptive innovation. And his whole thing is if you aren't protecting your core market and constantly looking up, somebody else is going to come along and disrupt the bottom end of your market and move in. Likewise, they could do top down. So to Natalie and Howard, to your point, if you aren't driving change, you're headed towards your blockbuster moment. I don't care what industry you're in, you you will be the next headline movie that we reminisce about.
1: Can I say one more thing about inaction? Absolutely. You know, we had that COVID pandemic thing. Think about all those people who decided that little thing. All those people, all those shops, all those companies who decided that going digital was too much of a risk, and then the pandemic hit. So you've got to be thinking about the risk of inaction as well as being outcompeted as well. You know, your environment's going to change around you. What's going to make your business future-proof? And and putting revenue operations in place is certainly a good step to future-proofing your business.
2: Love it. And I think we can end on inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds courage and confidence each of you has the ability to go out there, change your organization. So thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. Natalie, this was brilliant and exciting. Uh, You might wanna remind Alistair, who is actually a citizen of three countries, that Blockbuster was in Canada and the UK, and I think 25 other countries, not just North America. And I really appreciate the conversation today.
1: It's been great, thank you.
2: Thanks so much. It's been fun, everyone. Please don't forget to
0: like and subscribe to the podcast and reach out to Natalie Furness from RevOps Automated on LinkedIn.